0: Hello
1: and welcome. (laughs) Hello and welcome. No
2: no, I sound like Batman. You sound like Batman. I I sound like Batman, I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to the two fifty, your weekly IMDB Top Two hundred fifty movies of all time podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And this week we're discussing Clint Eastwood's Gran Torino, number 157 on the list. His 2008 release, his last starring role in one of his own films. He appeared in The Trouble with the Curve shortly afterwards. And one of his highest ranked movies... Some uh, No, he didn't direct it, but he, he started it. Oh, okay. um, he did it as a favour for the director who had worked with him as a producer. Mm. And it was sort of like, it was a nice sort of going away present. It is perhaps a bit less fitting as a final starring role, I think, than Gran Torino. Mm. Uh, In that in, in The Trouble with the Curve he plays a retired sort of baseball I think it's Scout who's basically looking for a next big thing and dealing with the relationship with his daughter it's a much more conventional film than I think Gran Torino is whereas I think when he decided that he was going to retire with Gran Torino Gran Torino I think in many ways works very well as the final Clint Eastwood starring film even if it's not. His swan song. <laughs> yeah, his cinematic goodbye. I mean, because. He, he has a swan song. <laughs> <laughs> he literally has a swan song. It's spoiling nothing to say that uh, Eastwood, who actually, to be fair to Eastwood, he, has, he does compose and he has sung in the past. In fact, when he talked about singing on the soundtrack to Gran Torino, he refused to use the word singing because it brought back memories of Paint Your Wagon. <laughs> which was was famously a box office and critical disaster uh, which had a role written specifically in the film adaptation for him um and was generally regarded as one of the worst movies ever made not on the bottom 100 though because uh, it has a sort of a cult appeal it's too good for the it's too bad to be good to be on the uh, on the bottom 100. But yeah, so basically, the um, Gran Torino. It's
1: made, made famous by The Simpsons.
2: It is indeed. That's the only place that I would know it from outside of like reading Clint Eastwood biographies because nobody talks about it. It's one of those great, unspoken, sort of shameful secrets of Hollywood history um, that Clint Eastwood starred in a musical with Lee Marvin, who's always drunk and violent.
1: What is it? Irish Brick.
2: Yeah, Mick, whatever. Um, there may be a lot of racism on this podcast, but it's okay because we're only ironically quoting it from the film in question.
1: Yeah, um, we can say what we like. I, 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 the, the, it's too early in the morning to, to process how I feel about about this movie. I feel like I'll say... Lots of things that I don't want recorded. (laughs) (laughs) That have very different sort of perspectives on it. Well, I mean, this is the
2: first time you'd seen the
1: movie, right? It's very early in the morning. The first thing we did was we kicked the Jew off the lawn and (laughs) and (laughs) went about our day. Um, Jew, uh, right? uh, Yes. Okay. Um, But anyway, so this is the first time you saw the
2: movie, Andrew. Hmm. That's right. But I think you said last week you, either you knew the ending beforehand or you'd seen the ending beforehand or you'd seen bits and pieces of the film beforehand possibly.
1: Yeah, I'm I I feel like this might have been my first uninterrupted um, watch of the movie. Although although some of it I did watch with 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 Spanish subtitles.
2: Yeah, which really threw us off when we got to the, the bit where the Hmong characters were speaking and supposed to be
1: translated exactly so yeah yeah Darren was like what what did he say and I was like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's Spanish not not as strong as he thought it was yeah
2: but um so what did you make of it very broadly speaking
1: um I enjoyed it it was it was good and like I say I was ho- I was hoping I would have um has some kind of revelations in my mind about i'm i'm there, there, there's going to be a big reliance on on, on darren to talk okay <laughs> during, during this one because yeah it's um it's a challenging movie i don't want to use the word problematic um no it, but, it's, it's but not it, a
2: comfortable movie it's an awkward movie and it's yeah. Like, it's awkward in ways that in some ways are clever and challenging, but it's also awkward in some ways that maybe are a little bit lazy. It's, like, I am relatively fond of Gran Torino. I like it a great deal. Um, mm. I think that it works in large part because of what Eastwood brings to it, like the presence that he brings, the history that he brings, the sort of cultural expectations that Eastwood brings to the movie. And he sort of carries it a great deal because it wasn't his screenplay. He didn't write the screenplay. The screenplay sort of came to him and he developed it. Uh, He did move it to Detroit, for example. That was one of the decisions that he made as a director, that he wanted to move it to Detroit because of tax breaks. And I think that adds a lot of character to the film that wouldn't otherwise be present. But... A lot of why Grand Torino works, and
1: we we'll maybe talk a little bit about the parts where they don't work in a moment. I but. think you can go just about anywhere and get tax breaks. <laughs> in, at, at this in, rate. In, in, Amer- in America. All this is, the, the, well, was, Atlanta there, at the moment. There was, exactly, yeah. There was, there was a piece on last week tonight when you, um, John Oliver was talking about all the different tax breaks uh, that are applicable in different jurisdictions in the United States where they basically say, come to blah, and yeah. pay no tax.
2: Yeah, well, like Amazon in Seattle, for example. Like, yeah. so Amazon's moved to Seattle and it caused a huge disruption in the city to the point where people are wondering, like, is there well, any is that point... where
1: they eventually went?
2: That's where they eventually went, um... Is it Seattle I'm thinking of? But it's it's one of the this places. This
1: is the, 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 the recent one. No, where, not where, the recent one. Oh, okay. This is historically Cause I, speaking,
2: because I think they're bidding again. I think there are yes. states kind of bidding again to attract Amazon. And what they're doing was they, the number of reporters went and looked at how it had affected Seattle and whether or not it actually added anything to Seattle's economy to have it there and, and it had added a bit, but it had also added a huge amount of disruption, because everything in the city then ended up being geared around Amazon, and it causing, like, traffic disruptions, it causing disruptions to public facilities, it causing all this sort of hassle, that then it wasn't necessarily making up with contributions to the local community, or to taxes, or to anything like that. But in the person of Detroit, for example, in this case, Detroit, like, Detroit... Obviously went through a huge uh, economic sort of downturn again, like Robocop reference, obligatory Robocop reference.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Darren.
2: Um, I'm see, I'm really carrying this one. But the argument <laughs> is that um, they had. So, so, and again, in the in the early, like, turn of the 20, 21st century, they began attracting films to film there by making it cost effective and giving tax credits and stuff like that. And Detroit is, we we've actually, I think we've done a couple of Detroit movies at this point. I can't think of any. I remember during this summer, a lot of our This Just Inns came from Atlanta. So Baby Driver or yeah. um, Spider-Man. Yes. Um, I can't think of the couple that we've done from Detroit, but we have done, oh, we did Crossover yeah. from Detroit.
1: Oh, that was a Detroit movie? That was a
2: Detroit movie. Um, and this is also a Detroit movie. And one of the things that works very well at doing a Detroit movie is a Detroit movie, like, say, It Follows, or uh, what's the other one? The other one that was out a couple of years ago, the one with the, the blind man played by uh, Stephen Lang...
1: 8 Mile is a Detroit movie.
2: 8 Mile is also a Detroit movie. I think it's Breathe. That's the one I'm thinking of. is another Detroit horror movie. Cuz
1: so, RoboCop's a Detroit movie that the, the none the, of it was shot yeah. in in Detroit, which yeah. is a shame, I guess.
2: I suspect because the tax breaks didn't exist then. Yeah.
1: I mean, you we'll, it was it was like in um, was it Pittsburgh
2: and Dallas? I think it was, and I mean, like, there's also something you said about the relationship between Robocop and Detroit. I'm always wary about, like, I, I, I hope at some stage we may get to do a Robocop podcast <laughs> when the internet finally realizes how good it is. And we can't that.
1: do that; it's not under two. I know, but wait, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> did we? Did we, not, <laughs> did we did, we did we Batman, not, Superman, did not, and Man yeah. of Steel. Um, no one noticed that. <laughs> nobody, nobody called us out
2: on that. Um, but that would involve them wanting to talk about Batman, Superman, and Man of Steel, which I don't think the internet's ready for yet. But, I like, Detroit has a lot of character the film as sort of a rundown place. And I think that Eastwood brings a lot of, like, personality to the role. And in many ways, it feels like a meditation. I mean, last week, yourself and Grace were joking about how this is, like, Dirty Harry goes to a retirement home. Yeah. um, As opposed to, like, Dirty Harry goes to space. Or Dirty Harry becomes a crime journalist. Like, you, he brings that personality to the role and to the I, film.
1: Absolutely. I remember watching the movie thinking that it could very easily be a, a kind of... Um, one of these sort of educational features, yeah, where 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 <laughs> where they have like a presenter, um, who's 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 a presenter, and then they have Clint Eastwood playing Dirty Harry, and they say, "You see, Dirty Harry, they're <laughs> not so bad, are they?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I suppose." D- I- <laughs> Why does he sound like Pacino? <laughs> no, I- yeah, it sounds too. Last night, I feel like I had nailed you na- it. You had and, nailed it. And, 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 and now it's gone. The it's moment like, is lost. I did like their food. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And they respect their elderly. Yeah. And, and, and then it shows like little clips from, <laughs> from like, the film <laughs> that explain. Yeah. 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 As he's kind of like. And um,
2: while Sue is helpfully explaining the cultural <laughs> context of yeah. what's going on.
1: It's, no- it's like. Um, <laughs> Us, uh, that Simpsons thing is it like the world without Nico? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world without Asians, yeah or, uh, yeah, or Hmong But yeah, I think like one of the things about
2: Gran Torino is that it it walks a very fine line, and it doesn't always walk it perfectly, which we'll probably talk about a, a bit in the spoiler zone.
1: Nor do I think, sh- uh, yeah, it should. Like the the, the the this this comes across as a movie by clint eastwood and i yeah. think it's important that it is because i i think oftentimes like a movie like this could be could be made with the same sort of um underlying issues of race yeah and same premise and, and stuff like that yeah yeah and 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 the interaction of kind of old um white American with... white American also um immigrants yeah. um uh, Polish, Polish. Immigrant, yeah. so like like, like the, the 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 it's the funny thing in America because the only one the, the 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 indigenous people yes are 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 like foreigners in their own land. yeah because they're not white and because there's this cultural kind of um idea that an american is is white, w- is white. W- amongst white <laughs> americans uh, americans yeah um which nope. is so strange but the the, the this, yeah this is a movie about so called kind of old america i mean it's kind of new america yeah um, but it, it's it's it, yeah essentially it's 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 a it's a w- white persons america versus a person of colors america and it could be done um, in a very kind of sensitive almost pandering manner. Yeah. To, to, to. Put the to, kids gloves on, be very gentle, be
2: very aware, yeah. be like, you know, be conscious of this sort of stuff. Whereas the movie bristles, the movie
1: has like a. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's important that it does. Yeah. And it, it, it's not, it's not setting out to, 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 uh, to please a liberal audience. It's, 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging movie. And it's, it's by Clint Eastwood as well, who, who politically isn't, like as yeah we should probably talk a little bit about about Clint Eastwood right because but at at the same time he's he's not Mel Gibson no no no, this is this this is the thing like Eastwood's okay let's talk a little bit about if you compare like um this to Hacksaw Ridge the the well if you compare Hacksaw Ridge to um what's it called the Iwo Jima movie Letters from Iwo Jima yeah, yes
2: uh, where there's a much more... Like, Letters from Mojima is probably... So it's probably, an
1: entire movie from the point of view of... The Japanese. And it's, yeah, who it's, don't have a point of view. Who, <laughs> in, who are just faceless Haksa monsters Ridge, in really. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I mean, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Eastwood, because Eastwood's a fascinating character in terms of Hollywood, and in terms of his politics and stuff like that. Eastwood is a very odd person to peg down, in that he's, to many Americans and to many people, he's the face of sort of an American, um, like an American machismo. Particularly because of his association with, say, Westerns and vigilante violence in, say, Dirty Harry and stuff like that. He's sort of a face of a sort of a conservative, old-fashioned idea of American masculinity, right? But you also have, like if you look at the films that Eastwood's made, and particularly as a director, like, Eastwood is a much more nuanced director than I think people give him credit for. And, like, he has this really interesting relationship with the Hollywood establishment. Like, so, for example, Eastwood's filmography is full of all these really weird... And, and like, Eastwood's relationship is basically... He, he works with Warner Brothers, and he makes one movie a year. And it's an astounding rate of productivity for a man who is now in his 80s. But even when he was younger, he was working at, like, the pace of Woody Allen, right? But... On films that were much more technically in production, sort of ambitious, in terms of like Alan would work on kind of standing sets with casts that he knew, working on films that were dialogue heavy, whereas Eastwood would tend to do things that were a bit more ambitious, like, say, The Bridges of Madison County, which is like a great romance, or Bird, which is the biopic of an African American jazz artist, or White Hunter Black Heart, which is a film about John Huston trying to or make it's, the African Queen.
1: Is Bird a Charlie Parker movie? It is, yes, sorry. Oh, okay.
2: Um, but it, it, it It is, it's, and he has this sort of ambitious sort of streak through him. And he also, like, Eastwood's politics, Eastwood's politics are hard to peg down because he is much more Sorry,
1: I'd never heard of Byrd before.
2: Yeah, no, and it was massively underrated. There's an argument he made that Eastwood only really gained acceptance by American, the American critical establishment in the 90s. And he's one of those directors who, like, he goes to Cannes. The French adore Clint Eastwood, which is crazy, given, like, how stereotypically American and macho he is. Like, Gran Torino, the film that we're talking about now, was locked out of the Best Picture race, and I suspect its politics played a large part in that, because it well, was confrontational. But it went to Cannes, and it won the Caesar for Best Foreign Film.
1: Yeah, I, is, it, is it true that Cannes sometimes like um, American movies... When they're like a di- when they feel like they're almost a distillation of an American movie, yes. rather rather than some some kind of a um, you know um, straightforward example. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and I mean like there's like, we think we talked about it when we talked about Paris, Texas. Yes, 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 where yes. it's a road movie, but it's a very weird road movie, and yeah. and then sort of it did very well in the continent, it did very well in France as well. Like so, so Gran Torino has this sort of appeal to it, but like. Eastwood's films, like, even stuff like, say, True Crime, where he deals with, like, racism within the criminal justice system, for example, or, like, Around This Time You Had Million Dollar Baby, which is a pro-euthanasia movie, right? Like, it's... Eastwood's politics are interesting in that he is... He's this weird bridge between... And again, it's maybe a reflection of how, like, the labels that we use to describe people in politics are incredibly crude and broad... Spoilers
1: for every movie. ...that Eastwood (laughs) has ever made.
2: Um but i feel like euthanasia movie
1: what I, I, yeah i, I and, no okay yeah, yeah, when i, 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 I say pro euthanasia movie i don't mean so in the same i don't mean,
2: i don't mean in the same yeah. way that i know dirty harry is a pro euthanasia movie or whatever like i don't mean it in like an ominous ironic way i mean it's actually a discussion of euthanasia that decides that a person's right to end their own life is their own cuz i mean eastwood's talked about his parents it's politics like
1: the final ten of the movies
2: <laughs> that's it? the final hour Like, it it does take a turn. It takes a turn, but that turn comes about the halfway point.
1: I don't Uh, remember it being that. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. But... I did say I wouldn't talk. No, no, no. No, go (laughs) ahead.
2: But, I mean, Eastwood's politics don't easily fall into the liberal-conservative divide. He's talked about how his parents were, like, they kept to themselves. They were conservative in terms of, like... um, interactions with people and their politics and how they voted but they were liberal in terms of how they looked at other people and Eastwood himself has talked about how he believes in say gay marriage or whatever he believes in people's rights to make their own choices he's conservative in it, with a small c in a way
1: that like <laughs> I'd like to see the Hank character in this movie talking about gay, gay marriage, marriage. Yeah. i don't give a And if you uh um, yeah yeah um and it's like um that's heartwarming <laughs> yeah it's kind of touching and offensive <laughs> at um, the same time yeah. much like the rest of your character there, yeah there's um I, I feel like it's it's maybe an important movie and I feel like this is the kind of thing... If anyone listened to our podcast, it would be the type of thing that we'd probably get a lot of backlash about. Because yeah. I'd like to say that my Twitter is alive with a lot of kind of... Um, some rightful um, indignation and some kind of non-constructive demonization of the of the political right. Yes. Like, I'm reminded of of earlier in the year when... We especially focus on American politics. Yes, um, well, because and, that's what that's what Twitter
2: seems to be alive with. Like Twitter's attitude towards Irish politics. I mean, it's there, but it's not as intense because there's not yeah. as many of us.
1: And it, but did the, the, the um, I think it was last year, Senator John McCain was. I think he was in hospital. Yes, with brain, he had a brain tumor. Yeah, but he he was he was coming out of hospital to vote, and there were a number of people talking very cruelly about about this guy um, whose
2: vote prevented the repeal of healthcare of, of the the acah acah
1: yes yeah but this, this was based on the assumption that he was coming out of hospital to um to support the repeal yeah um
2: well, and, i mean even and period- afterwards even afterwards there's a lot of oh by the way don't thank him too much because he's still etc etc you know
1: yeah, but there were not. There were no. There were no apologies afterwards. When 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 the actual kind of um, dust settled and it became clear where, which way he was voting. Exactly. People talking horribly about. Um, I think in 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 some cases saying like, "Oh, I'd never wish for somebody to to die of brain cancer," but but yeah, there's yeah. always
2: the but at the end of that horrible sentence. Yeah, well, I mean. This is the thing, right, about modern political discourse, and uh, this is uh, like we are relatively liberal in this podcast. I think it's come across quite well, and that we are we are woke. I think is yeah, the term the there's use.
1: Very few ethnic minorities that we genuinely hate. Yeah,
2: and those we do, we have good reason for. But no, uh, more seriously though, um, I I would consider myself politically centred. In fact, I'd consider myself probably slightly right of the the European political centre mm. in terms of I'd actually find myself warming quite a great deal to Walt as a character. But I mean, one of the things about the past couple of years, or the past year and a half, is that I feel like certain movements on, say, the political right have gone so far that I feel like I've I've been pushed into the radical left in comparison or whatever, right? But there's this refusal to engage in dialogue. There's this refusal to accept that somebody can have a legitimately different political point of view from you. Uh, And there's a tendency to assume, like, for example, say, certain aspects of Trumpism are morally repugnant and, and disgusting and, like, no compromise on that debate but that doesn't mean that you can't have a meaningful conversation with somebody who is politically conservative yeah. and that, that's what I think is, is missing in modern politics like that it is possible for there to be a difference of opinion between people who hold different political opinions and to find a middle ground or to discuss or to talk about it respectfully and I mean there are obviously like lines in the sand in that like people who refuse to accept I don't know the, that gay people or transsexual people have a right to exist you don't you know you don't compromise with those people but if people are like well maybe I have opinions about tax you engage in that sort of discussion with them you talk with them well, people who have the, like
1: the mm-hmm. the thing is that- you can compromise with those people um, in the sense that for example um i'm just trying to try to think of anything oh yeah at, at, at the moment the um icon won the the nobel prize um for peace for their work on i believe it's nuclear disarmament now in america and and in russia and, and in some other countries they're they're kind of going against the grain by, by building their, their, their nuclear arsenal. I was listening to I believe it was I was listening to a podcast the other day, the the the, the open source and, and they were talking about how there's thirteen senators and I think like to um um uh, seventy two members of the House or something like this who are who are who are supporting a bill to to remove the the power of the president to unilaterally press the button. Basically, in, yeah. in the case of a first strike, yeah, because it makes no sense. It's 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 killing millions of people, and 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 it's one person or a very small group of people, rather than it's going to say Congress, yeah, um, and it, it because it, it is an act of war, a it, first strike, so they, it, yeah. that that it shouldn't it shouldn't um as a matter be, of process, even, yeah, it exactly. It. So. That's something that if if you're a Democrat, you need to work with Republicans who are sympathetic, because yeah. you can't start a hearing in, and it's a funny thing that we we were we we do focus a lot on American politics. It it's not just movies, no, that we, but but yeah, you 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 can't in um. You can't have a hearing if the if the Senate is is Republican led. It needs yeah. to be. It needs to be. You need bro- a majority. Broad. Yeah. Yeah, but it also needs to be raised by a Republican. Yeah. So yeah, that has to happen. And in order to in order to get that done, you need to give your support to something that isn't necessarily kind of in in exactly in, what you want. Exactly. Yeah. No,
2: there needs to be a give and take in it. And I think there's a sense in modern politics that. There's no compromise, and this no, is one of the things. No, that, that...
1: that legislation will probably never happen, by the way. But yeah. that, it's an example of kind of the 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 process that you can kind of yeah, the supply and demand. I mean, yeah. um, or confidence and
2: supply, I think is what it's called. But I mean, the the argument is that, like in the case of Gran Torino, right? There's a lot in Gran Torino. And this is actually interesting, because the Hmong actors who have starred in the film have very different opinions about how the film is, and it, its politics, and its political correctness and stuff like that. Some of the Hmong starring in the film make a very coherent point, and a very logical point, and it's a very fair point, right? That although the movie's portrayal of Hmong culture is not perfect, it's not ideal, it's not 100% accurate, it's not very sensitive, it's not from their point of view, it's from Walt's point of view, they argue, and they're quite right to, that there's like there's a reason to tell Walt's story, and telling Walt's story has a point, and it allows people to see a story that isn't told otherwise. Like The idea that like because a story focuses on a white American character, it's somehow illegitimate, or because it focuses on people who you're not comfortable with, Like there's a lot of... I talked about this on Twitter a little while ago. One of the things I'm not comfortable about with modern film criticism... Is the inherent idea that the depiction of something that makes the audience uncomfortable is inherently incorrect, in that like putting something that makes people feel a little awkward or makes them squirm in their seats in a film is somehow is often treated by a certain wave of modern film critics as disgusting, horrific, and a mark against the film. And I'm talking specifically about maybe Martin McDonagh's uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which we may or may not have talked about on the podcast at this point. But there's a sense that some of the stuff in that film has riled critics because of its handling of stuff around like race relations or its politics around feminism
1: i, th- I think th- that's not unusual for a mcdonough movie though. no yeah no. They'll, they'll it'll generally kind of um will cause offense and in, in a fairly kind of flippant manner yeah um in and and in, in in um yeah like um, anyway sorry but I mean I think
2: Gran Torino does something similar in that Gran Torino is a movie about a racist uh, in that it features a large amount of like racist dialogue it features horrible slurs it's about the redemption of this white guy uh, rather than the culture into which he's integrated and like you can make you can construct all these arguments about how it minimizes Hmong culture how it reduces them to character I don't think it does but I think that you can make those arguments and they'd be reasonable you'd have a reasonable ground to stand on
1: but I think that plus plus it's not it's not about whether you're right or wrong yeah it's it's about your 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 perspective yeah so these things are um heterogeneous enough that sorry i feel like i've used that word twice there's a few words that i seem to like to use on this (laughs) podcast I think patina is one of them. You have also used patina. Yeah, yeah i got it. Funky, cold patina. <laughs> new,
2: uh, grand patina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Andrew will be singing us out of this podcast yeah. and into the spoiler zone.
1: Uh, yeah. The, the uh, new rule, no um, no use of that word, the P word. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's the word we're going to single out on this podcast no
2: use of the p word no
1: use of the p words
2: All right. um
1: but um yeah the 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 thing about it is that a person's experience is their own and yeah. if 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 they're offended they're they're talking about their experience and and that's valid for them it's like if someone is being bullied you can't just say to them oh like man up or whatever yeah or deal yeah, yeah, with yeah. it or you know yeah I mean I mean, I mean the you 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 can have your perspective on 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 what whatever has happened but you have to you have to value theirs as, as, yeah. as well people get annoyed in this day and age that's that that um that they have to um and by the way they don't they're like like it's 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 a good idea to value and respect other people's perspectives Perspective. and sensitivities, do 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 you do you have to know? Should it be a guiding principle in your life? That depends on what kind of person you are. Yeah, personally, it's 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 not for me. As as in, I try to be, I try to be sensitive, but I don't think it's the most important thing. Um, that that that's like, I don't think it should be a, a, a defining defining principle of 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 my discourse yeah. um i'll i'll i'd rather respond to um, a person's feelings once they make it known rather than um delicately dance around it yeah, beforehand
2: yeah. i mean i i would be of a, an, a sort of a similar mindset in that i personally would consider i would try to be sensitive to other people and i would try to be mindful of other people but i do feel like particularly when it comes to art, to expect art to be perfectly in keeping with your own perspective and your expectations of art is in some ways counterproductive. And I think you're right when you say you have to retroactively and retrospectively evaluate it. Because I feel like you end up dancing around eggshells and you end up with this... Like, if that is your definition of art, if your definition of art is that it shouldn't offend anyone, you end up with very tame, very safe, very bland art. Yeah. And I feel like, like Gran Torino is an imperfect movie but I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that it's made because it it resonated with a lot of people and I mean like you can argue that like it's a film that exploits, say, that the Hmong characters for the, the journey of a character like Clint Eastwood. But here's the thing. like People watching this film, there are lots of people like Clint Eastwood's character, Walt, Walt Kowalski, in this movie. There are lots of people who are watching this movie who will maybe think about things that they
1: wouldn't have thought about otherwise exactly. as a result of seeing this movie. Yeah, and and you,
2: to say that's a bad thing to me sounds counterproductive. Like,
1: yeah, and you're not going to guess these people to watch the kind of movie To watch Moonlight, for that, example. Yeah. That um I suppose like like I I feel like Moonlight was yeah, no, I think that's a fair point, that a lot of people wouldn't want to, to watch Moonlight. Not but wouldn't
2: have I'll... access to and wouldn't consider it a priority. Like, I feel like a Clint Eastwood movie comes with a built-in sell. Like, Gran yeah. Torino was the Christmas movie for the Mooney family in 2009, I think, right? yeah. Which is... And, and one of the appeals of doing the Mooney Christmas movie is it has to appeal to an audience of about 15 people with very radically different perspectives and very radically different expectations of a movie. Yeah. And, like... You, I couldn't screen Moonlight in that slot as much as I love Moonlight because when I tried to screen Inside Out in that slot, it got murdered. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I make this sound like a really exclusive film festival. Um, <laughs> the screening and polling results were just the truth. But no, you could screen Gran Torino to a certain type of audience Absolutely, and it would get a yeah. great response. And I think that like, having that response and having that conversation afterwards, like enabled by Gran Torino, is worth any of the problematic stuff. And there is problematic stuff there. I know the the other P word that we're not supposed to mention. But there is that stuff there. But you get past that by having the conversation. And I think that it's worth having the conversation. I think that any awkwardness around the film the is so sort of justified. Thing, when
1: you say a P word, I'm wondering what and then and then I thought of it. And then I thought, Do you know what's an interesting thing is is that there's some there's some racial epithets. Like for 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 example, I Irish people if if they were referred to in this movie are they
2: mix i believe yeah mix mix is used to refer to the barber isn't he is the barber no a mix?
1: he's a he's a... <laughs> oh he's a... oh okay yes sorry um <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll, we'll edit some of that out yes <laughs> that's correct no, yeah all of this will be bleeped i hope darren mm. not just the bits you say <laughs> yes he is a... oh. <laughs> um, it's true um He's a greasy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, we get you
2: get the point. But yeah. So there is that sort of that sense to it. And
1: certain certain words that like in this movie that uh, that oh I, the that construction
2: it, worker Kennedy he is he is an Irish character of Irish extraction. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's and of true. course his name is Kennedy, so you don't you know that he's an Irish American.
1: But but we've repeated a lot of the a a a lot of the words because they haven't really taken on the. Um, Significance. The, the significance of, say, the N-word for us. Yeah. Where I can't even say that. Yeah. Like, I... I, I And I'm not saying... I'm not saying I can't because people don't want me to say it. I'm saying I can't actually say yes. it. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't... I feel like... I would have difficulty yeah, articulating like it sort of thing. Physically, like, yeah, like... Forcing it, it to... Yeah. you. Of course, if you held a gun to my head... I, I, <laughs> you I, I, could say it. Yeah, but... It, it, it's and it, i I would feel kind of wrong saying yeah, it almost a gag reflex or yeah something like yeah it. no uh-huh. absolutely um where whereas other, other 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 words haven't yet uh, and because uh, we're irish we can done. say like mick or paddy or whatever yeah, like yeah. i
2: mean those sort of words but i mean i think that there's there's something be said for the unique african-american experience in yeah. in america having that sort of cultural context and history whereas like the the irish were obviously like as gangs of new york demonstrated but we were we were subject to prejudice and hatred when we went over yeah. there but we very quickly got over it because we were you know we were somewhat white, but I, yeah. we also integrated ourselves into the political system and stuff like that quite I think, efficiently.
1: I think a, a word, a word like that. Um...
2: My grandfather's concise history of America was that the Irish went over, tried to be criminals, found we weren't very good at that, and so decided to become cops instead. <laughs> the Westies, notwithstanding, but you, yeah, you get what I mean.
1: Another word that's quite that's quite offensive, but but that I would have probably um had to get to the point where i where 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 i'd find it difficult to say it is is the is the f-word that's used for homosexual yes. people yeah. I've, I've i've i find that's a very offensive uh, yeah term
2: it is as well and i mean that's one of the things that i think would have come back because of the context yeah and yeah. because of our, i think it's one of the things that became like it was always offensive, but I think we became aware of how offensive it was during our lifetime, maybe. Yeah the thing. As opposed to the N word having like the weight of and I mean it's not as if the F word wasn't used historically. By the way, I like the Gran Torinos turning into a podcast about <laughs> slurs. Um but yeah, that's that's talk a little bit about Gran Torino just before we head into the spoiler zone because like Gran Torino came in to- arrived in 2008 right it was the same year that he released Changelings starring Angelina Jolie which was maybe not Eastwood's best film but it arrived on like the heel of like a renaissance of Clint Eastwood films in like the early 21st century so you mentioned like Letters from Iwo Jima for example right Flags of Our Fathers Mystic River Million Dollar Baby all these really Mystic River is great Mystic River is phenomenal Mystic River may be one of my favourite Clint Eastwood films it, um, it was on the list and it dropped off off. Like, it's a really, really great film. And it, this is like a really great slate of Eastwood films. And I feel like Gran Torino in some ways sort of ends that because after Gran Torino, you get a bit more sort of, uh, you know, films from Eastwood that are grand, but not as good. So like recently you had Sully, but you also had stuff like, for example, American Sniper, which was his biggest box office success. Interestingly enough...
1: I'd be interested to see American Sniper.
2: It's more nuanced than I think people give it credit for, in that, I, and I think it reflects Eastwood's politics as well, in that it's largely about demythologizing Chris Kyle. Yeah. Um, in that, like, Eastwood... And Eastwood has this thing that runs through his films, and it runs through this film as well, right, where the audience expectation of an Eastwood film is a film that's going to be violent and macho. And Eastwood's films tend to be ambivalent about violence, which is quite interesting given, like, his cultural context and his cultural background. Like, we won't get too spoilery here, but, like, in American Sniper, right, the real Chris Kyle was not a particularly nice person, and he was very proud of the violence that he did. He would boast openly about the number of people that he killed, about, like, shooting looters during Hurricane Katrina. But in American Sniper, what Eastwood does is he sort of he roots the film in a decision to pull the trigger in one particular instance, in that it's all framed during one sniping scene. And it's really tense, but it's also really reflective, and it suggests that the violence took a toll on Kyle. And like, there's an argument made that Eastwood effectively engaged in historical revisionism, but he engaged in historical revisionism that sort of like made the violence that Kyle took such pleasure and such pride in, and made it harmful, and made it sort of exact a toll.
1: Yeah, because to 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 tell to tell a true um, story um, about about the character that you describe, uh, Darren, would be a repellent movie. It really would, and I mean, and there's and an ma- ar- maybe 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 that's a movie that should be made. <laughs> yeah, where where um but it would it would be difficult because it, it would it'd be difficult to capture both the humanity and the un- humanity about it, yeah. it to, to 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 tell to tell a story where you understand a psychopath <laughs> yeah um yeah, I, I also feel like it would very easily have been misunderstood uh, baseball in baseball hats and goes on talk shows. <laughs> yeah, and wears
2: <laughs> where, a shirt like uh, that says the uh, that has the Punisher logo on it and stuff like that. But I feel like like that's what Gran Torino is in many ways, shape, and forms. Like because it it is a film that understands like the psychology of Walt and that lets you into how Walt sees the world and lets you sort of like and it is like. We talked earlier about, like, the difficulty that, say, some... And in particular, say, Liberal. I mean, Conservatives also have difficulty understanding Liberals in America. But, like, Liberals have difficulty understanding Conservatives. I feel like Gran Torino does a great deal of, sort of, like, bridge-building in that respect. Yeah. And that, like, you, you watch it and you understand why Walt is the way he is. And why Walt thinks the way that he does. And you understand, like, you can see Walt's point in some respects. And I feel like that's an important movie yeah, in this... Yeah,
1: Walt's, Walt's context is yeah
2: like like he's, he's he's very similar to the stereotypical trump voter in many way shape or form yeah, like he's he's
1: coming he's coming from an older generation if, from a community of of white people who've 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 lost their jobs and who haven't been kind of carried along in in in, in the general kind of modern um, era yeah yeah because his 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 son's have um... Are in advertising
2: and sales. They're living in nice, bigger houses. Yeah. Um, they're buying Japanese. that sort of stuff. Like, and he's sitting behind in this neighborhood that he has seen become run down, and he's seen like uh, become sort of like taken over by immigrant groups and stuff like that. He's seen his America change in a road. Like, there's a really great. Have you you've watched The Wire? Haven't you? Yes. There's a really great line in the second season, The Wire, where the dock workers are talking about how, like... Have you seen The Wire? I have, yeah. Oh, um, I didn't think you'd seen The Wire. I'd seen The Wire. Um, I still think Breaking Bad is better, is the follow-on to your question there.
1: (laughs) It's like, no, you mustn't have seen The Wire. No, I've seen (laughs) The Wire. It's Breaking Bad is better.
2: It's very good. but that's a a valid opinion. (laughs) (laughs) As we've learned to accept on this podcast.
1: I I don't have to hate (laughs) you. Yeah,
2: but um, there's a great line in the second season, The Wire, where it's like, we used to build stuff in this country. And, like, you sort of get a sense of that in watching Gran Torino. Because he used to build...
0: (laughs) Sorry. that, That was completely unnecessary. Yes,
2: that was a little bit. But, um... And, and it feels like you understand where he's coming from because you see the care and the craft that he's put into maintaining his house, maintaining his car. You've seen that he used to have a job working in. And, like, that's one of the things about moving the film to Detroit is that you could have the backstory of, well, working at the Ford factory and not having a job anymore as a result of everything that's happened. It's, you know, jobs going abroad, the economy becoming run down. And you can understand where he's coming from. And I feel like the film does that very, very well. Like, this was Eastwood's highest-grossing film before American Sniper. Which is astounding, like, given how small it is. Like, I would argue it's not his best film. I would argue that many of the films from this run of his are better than it. But I still think, like, it's astounding the cultural impact that this film had.
1: I'm surprised it it was bigger than Million Dollar Baby. I thought Million Dollar Baby was... Well, I feel like it was was a big success at the Oscars. Oh, it It was, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but commercially, it wasn't uh, as as big as this, I guess. Yeah,
2: which is ironic because this was commercially huge, but not a success at the Oscars at all. It was completely com- shut out. Commercially huge, yeah, commercially huge. But anyway, so with that in mind, then I guess the only thing left to ask is, Andrew, do you think this movie belongs on the top 250
1: movies of all time? I like. I'm glad it is. I don't know. I. I, I... Like it's it's certainly yeah yeah I'm, I'm I mean yes the, the I don't know if I were going to craft my own list whether whether this would be on it I think it gets points for being as you say a a a bridging movie and I feel like people will disagree with that and they're 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 entitled, they're entitled to their opinions but I think this is an important. An important movie for a kind of a divided world. And I suppose, it's especially in the context of the Particularly in this day and age, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, I, I would feel the same way. Like, I don't think this is Eastwood's best film. I don't think this is Eastwood's best film of this particular run that he was making. I think Iwo Jima is better. I think Million Dollar Baby is better. I think Mystic River is a lot better. Uh, but I do think that, like, it is, as you pointed out, it's an important movie. And I think it's important to see that's a perspective that doesn't necessarily align with yours or mine own, like, perfectly. Yeah. And to see that reflected on the list. And to see that it's not monstrous that it exists and like this conversation is not something that we should be like pushing down or shouting down I feel like it's worth having and so yeah I'm really really glad that it's there alright then with that in mind then we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone His own. So Andrew,
1: what is Gran Torino about for you? Um, it's about race. It's about America. It's about age, I guess, as well. That's what that's what it was about for me. I mean, that's 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 important. Very briefly, I guess it's it's about I guess redemption for 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 Walt's um, character. It's about it's about masculinity as well, I and mean, yeah. like it's, it's, it's about it's about a lot of things. It's about a lot of things that I think are tied up in that is very true. Actually, the 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 interaction of of Walt, Walt and Tao takes yeah. ta- 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 takes up a good portion of this movie, and yeah, I suppose this is an important thematic element of it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is also kind of tied up in this
2: idea, I think, of Clint Eastwood in some way, shape, or form, and that it's a film that I think will be Clint a much. Clint Eastwood, it
1: is he? Yeah, um,
2: um, woodiness, if you will. It's yeah. Eastwoodiness. But I mean, it's a film that. <laughs> not,
1: not, not the other kind of woodiness. No.
2: Um, which is the Tom Hanks in Toy Story ness of it. But <laughs> I, I feel heard like. The Woody Allen ness <laughs> yeah, of the film, which is also very different. But I mean, this is this is one of the things yeah, about. Tom it... Hanks is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between that sort of spectrum. Yeah. Um, I feel. I feel like I feel like Eastwood's probably in the middle of that spectrum, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Well, well like, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. again, that, Eastwood's one of these actors who. But that that would be putting Tom Hanks on on on, on the, the far <laughs> end of a, a spectrum where Tom Hanks doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hanks is always in the middle of things. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But
2: um, um, yeah. well, unless it's like ability, I feel like I feel like Hanks tops likeability, perhaps.
1: Oh yeah, like 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 likability. Um, yeah, yeah. He's Welcome sprung, to Hanks running. Cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It, <laughs> the podcast where it's all Hanks all the time. We're hankering for some Hanks, but I feel like <laughs> East that's a hankin i think you mean yeah but um one of the things about eastwood is like this is a movie that i think works as well as it does because it has eastwood i feel like if you took the same script even the same script with the exact same words exact same language and gave it to any other actor say robert redford to pick an actor of a similar generation it wouldn't work as well because it doesn't have the same almost mythic weight that, a, that clint eastwood has like clint eastwood is a an actor who is or even a director who has this sort of because he's been around for so long because he was like he dates back he did like raw was it uh rawhide in the uh in the 50s and sort of into the westerns in the 60s 70s 80s hmm. like he's he's a cultural institution in terms of like american pop culture and yeah. he has this sort of he's like, the
1: same age as the Wall character basically <laughs> yeah he started out in in 51 um killing koreans <laughs> <laughs> um, he, um, and then in the seventies, he 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 made a lot of great cars. Yep. Um, One of which he owns. Yeah. And and then sort of now he just stares at his
2: ungrateful children who sometimes <laughs> take roles in his films, like Scott Eastwood does here, for example, <laughs> in a, a rather awkward role. He plays Trey, the the white kid who accompanies Sue while she's walking and encounters the African American. Yeah. Damn it! I hate you. <laughs> 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 little um, punk cock. Yeah. But. um <laughs> Yeah, he.
1: I, I, I added a very 2017 word into you his dialogue well, there. Well,
2: I mean, you 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 read that interview around the time of um, around the uh, the release of around the Trump election, where Eastwood and his son did an interview together, and I think they got the cover of, I'm not sure whether it was Esquire or GQ, but where Eastwood referred to the current generation as the "pussy generation." Yeah. Um. So that's sort of that's where we're coming from in regards to that
1: and like I don't, I don't, we'd be very quick to dismiss that but there 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 is a, certainly a a movement of people who feel who feel that. Um, sorry let me articulate what I, what i was trying to say i guess before i react to it is that there is a movement of people who feel that there's there's an old fashioned masculinity that's been that, eroded. That, that's been eroded and replaced with sensitivity training and yeah. um and, and 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 a kind of a a um fearfulness and that 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 the, the the like and let's be clear on this right this argument is not just
2: coming from people like Clint Eastwood who has like who would be the embodiment of like you know grisly old-fashioned sort of conservatism yeah. this came up in nancy myers the intern which is a movie starring anne hathaway like a year and a half ago where they had a big discussion about what happened to old you know to men like clint eastwood what happened to men who were manly men and then you just look at the current generation which includes you see, you know,
1: the way you even say that is very kind of it's very dismissive of this point because i i think this is another way in which in which the in, in in which you take it's like it's either one or the other. Yeah. So um, we're we we've come a long way from from where we were then, and we should be we should be glad about the, the the progress we've made, which 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 is which is true. But to 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 say that the that there's nothing to those those sorts of comments, I think is. It's to kind I'm not of saying assume there's that... nothing to
2: them. I'm saying that they're they're interesting in the, in the like, the cultural conversations that we're having, and that like we're also having like at the moment we're stuck in the middle of like this big debate about toxic masculinity with regards to like Hollywood and with well, regards to men such in powerful a... positions.
1: The funny thing is, like the, it really clouds the issue because there's there is there there is no doubt a problem with toxic masculinity. The idea is that. If, if you're going to be a Clint Eastwood type, you're also going to grope uh, people... And, and and it and, should be noted and, and, that Eastwood and, doesn't like Eastwood exactly. Like, the, 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 the,
2: for all that Eastwood has a reputation as a traditionally masculine and conservative director, like it's worth noting, he has none of the marks against him that someone like, say, Woody Allen, who would be considered yeah. more liberal, does. Oh yeah,
1: and they, 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 and and I'm sure uh, we- Weinstein as well. Yeah. well it was uh, like, and, like a this. major
2: Democratic donor. Like not to turn this into a you know a conservative podcast,
1: but yeah, like. Ab no and, and and the there there's this there's this idea that you because um, i i feel i feel myself personally that i don't i i i like to feel fluid in the in the kind of person and um identity i have i i like being someone who can who can play rugby and knit you know yeah. um and 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 that and that those two things aren't mutually exclusive and 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 there, there's 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 kind of an idea that um if we're the problem is that people are stupid <laughs> and 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 that and Tell that it if, like it is Andrew. yeah and, and 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 that i suppose if you make a movie like this which celebrates um old fashioned masculinity that it that 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 sort of um uh, clarion call tends to attract the wrong kind of people yeah and and, i
2: mean we've had this on the podcast before this discussion of can you blame a movie for being misinterpreted by people hmm. who are not obviously watching it closely um to, <laughs> I, sorry i feel i feel like i'm i'm being more delicate about this i'm being very pussy generationish about this yeah, but yeah. um can you blame a movie for its mis-aimed fandom um, yeah. and that sort of stuff and I, I feel like in some cases it's very hard not to you shouldn't but in some cases it's very hard not to and I'll hold my hand up and say that I've done it on several occasions including Say Cinema Paradiso where I i have difficulties with the film in large part because of its legacy and its cul- place in culture Yeah. but I, I do think that there's an argument made that yeah you shouldn't blame a work's misinterpretation or the shadow that it casts hmm. on itself maybe
1: I <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I, I guess my my kind of uh, um, opinion on it is 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 that there is nothing wrong with 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 being a pussy if that's what you want to do pussy. <laughs> sorry thank you andrew not, I, I feel uh, good that i have your vindication and validation of no, my life choices I'm, I'm not talking to you oh, no, sorry sorry i that, i was don't about- talk to our listeners like that either I, like- <laughs> I was, I was,
2: listeners he's talking to me was, it's okay i was
1: about to make a, some kind of a sincere point <laughs> and then in the middle of the sentence i i i, I, I Sorry, I I just felt like being being um, cantankerous. Yeah. And, um, but what, what was your point then? Glib. Sorry. Like 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 if 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 I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to think of um, words that aren't evaluative. It's okay to be um, sensitive, sensitive, introspective, perhaps, or even um, even 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 effeminate, because yeah. that that word is very kind of loaded. You can't say to somebody, "Oh, you, you're very effeminate." Um, in in and in, in the hope that, that that they'll accept it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, thank you. Um, but there, there there's 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 ways there's ways you can there's ways you can say it. Like I like I I, I think it's very important to have to as a man to have a, a, a feminine side. I think there's also a lot of value um, as as Clint Eastwood would, would would put it to to not being a pussy. Which which, which, and 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 that it's something that you can that you can have. I and I suppose develop my understanding would be that the kind I'd be interested to see what what Clint Eastwood means when he says pussy and and when 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 he when he when 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 he talks about when he talks about men in that way because what. yeah. I suppose, I suppose he probably his point is probably that men are the people I think more 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 broadly speaking. And- yeah. And the people should 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 be able to do DIY and 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 should be okay with like going out in the nature and getting cut and yeah. Um, well, I, I go I'm like or, I, I even more basically, I'd say Eastwood
2: suggesting that you should be willing to have tough conversations and stuff. Yeah, like that. as yeah. opposed to dancing around issues or feeling like you're
1: you're or being being in a in a bubble kind of a um yeah,
2: where your views are not challenged or catered to, or your views a, are not challenged but they are catered are you, to.
1: Echo chamber. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Again, I I, I, I call it very early. I'm going to say a lot of things that I'm not comfortable with being recorded, and uh, you know it's fine because I'd I'd rather I suppose uh, say 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 these things, and then if anybody listens and thinks I'm a complete moron. Have the conversation. Have the conversation with me. We're, yeah. we're 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 both on Twitter. Yeah, come
2: um, come yell at us. Um, yeah, but I I, and I I feel like this is the thing about Eastwood because I mean Eastwood very famously got into not trouble, but he generated controversy when he stated he didn't he refused to immediately rule out voting for Donald Trump, and it, subsequently his response was basically to say that he wasn't going to vote for either of them. He he wasn't going to vote for either Hillary or or Trump. Like there's a sense that Eastwood like is a grumpy old man in the same way that many of his characters tend to be grumpy old men. But I feel like it's stereotypical to say that his portrayal of masculinity is, is like the stock image or the conventional image. Because throughout Eastwood's career, and, and let's, we're in the spoiler zone, let's talk about it. In this film itself, there's a real ambivalence towards violence mm. um, as an expression of masculinity, both in terms of, say, the gang violence in the Hmong community, but also in the, the conclusion of the film as well. Because the film... In many ways, like, it goes, you and, and again, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, you and Grace, when you're watching the trailer, like, this is like Dirty Harry Goes to Retirement Home. Yeah. You're sort of expecting, and I think the trailer, I think, builds it up in that way, and the trailer has lots of shots of Walt holding a gun, for example, even though he only holds a gun in about two scenes. But it focuses on those, and, you know, it has that sort of, like, where like, you ever meet a guy you really shouldn't have messed with? That what? sort of...
1: He holds a gun in a lot of scenes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah, um, in
2: defense of the people cutting
1: the trailer, yeah. but at the same time, and those are some of the best scenes as well. In <laughs> yeah. fairness, and then the, the yeah the the um bothered me, I guess, how much I enjoyed some of the <laughs> scenes in this movie because every 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 scene where 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 he's um being kind racist. Of bring, well, no, yes. <laughs> So he's 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 bringing his kind of brand of justice, and it's always peppered with these um, racist um, uh, 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 slurs, yeah. the whole way through the movie. Yeah, the, so, even at the end, even after
2: yeah. he's learned his lesson, even after he's become sort of like he's he's come to embrace the Hmong community and accepted that they love him more than his own family. He's yeah. still making jokes about, you know, Asian people being good at maths, for example, and, you know, referring to Sue as a dragon lady and all this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, they, there seems to be, um I wonder if there's a point in this movie about whether there's a whether there's a point that's trying to be made in this movie about we're all coming from different communities yeah. and we're all kind of um aware of of the of the elephant in the room. And let's, you know, be be um
2: Let's talk about it. Let's not talk around it. Let's not pretend like yeah. it's not there.
1: There's even there even seems to be a suggestion that the the people who are more comfortable with race are the people like like Clint yeah. who, sh- who straight away stopped their truck next nec- next to next to tr- three African American um teens I I guess yeah. in 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 a rough part of town and use a horrible a slur, a racial ra- ra- slur, to, ra- racial slur to draw attention. That to that a... person is more comfortable with race than the um...
2: the white guy trying to integrate in. Exactly, Trey, for example, who's yeah. wearing, who's appropriated the culture and stuff like
1: that. I mean, like, there's... and, the, the, and the, the, there, there's there's more respect, yeah, but for, <laughs> for, for that they have for 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 this old badass who's who's calling them. <laughs> like the racially the, charged names yeah, yeah then 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 for the um
2: the guy who's calling them bro yeah um and in fact they react against the word bro i mean like there's something to be said like you talked about it earlier where like there's a sense of like in some senses like
1: patronizing i don't position, know what i'm trying to say there where but, st- the, but the, it feels like the movie is is uh, uh has it makes this kind of
2: i i think i get what you're trying to say yeah like i mean like say for example the bit and and you talked about how this could almost be an educational movie in some respects, yeah. where you could have a presenter going, and then Walt is about to learn some very important lessons. But, I mean, you also have, like, Sue, who takes him to the party with the Hmong and talks about how, like patting a kid on the head why the, they sort of why they react to that or why they avoid eye contact or why they smile when you're being insulting to them or being rude to them yeah. which are all things that to a regular observer to somebody who as you pointed out ignores the elephant in the room somebody who doesn't want to talk about race right if you don't yeah. talk about race you don't know these things and so you're having a conversation with somebody and you're getting all the wrong social cues off them and yeah. so you're prone to misunderstand because you don't want to talk about race you don't want to talk about how a cultural background is different for somebody else than it is for you yeah. So you assume that you're working on the same level, whereas Walt comes in like a bulldozer and he's just blunt and he's crude and he's offensive. And obviously his racial language is not called for. But the fact that he acknowledges that the Hmong are different from him means that he can have those conversations and he can understand in some way their culture in a way that somebody like Trey, who's eager to appropriate and who's eager to claim to fit in, you know, can't. Mm you know and I feel like there's there's a lot of validity to that argument and I feel like it's something like for example and I don't I don't want to get too to go too far down this rabbit hole but say for example dealing with people from like Russia even even a, a country that is is full of like white people Caucasians stuff like that like there's different cultural norms there in terms of like smiling people don't smile at strangers over there in fact they had to train when they were doing like McDonald's uh, over there they had to train the staff to smile at customers because it was so against the cultural grain over there well, there. So
1: he- hegemonic yeah <laughs> that, i know i know sorry you know, that know. Mac- mcdonald's would would insist <laughs> on, on 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 enforcing uh, cultural norms co- yeah but i mean it's, it's we, set- I, I i worked for for hilton for years and they said um um they said to us you don't have to, they, it's 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 um uh, it, it, it it was a hilton standard to say hi my name is andrew so uh, 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 well uh, not necessarily in those words but you you are to introduce yourself yeah and you're also to 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 use their name but but one of one of the things that like we get away with not doing because it was very american is saying hi my name is andrew now of course i would do it all the time yeah because i'm 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 an egotist but (laughs) um uh but yeah, they, 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 there was there was like a, an understanding that some of the aspects of the brand wouldn't kind of travel. I don't know why I'm kind of no, but <laughs> I'm going going on a tangent to bring that up.
2: But I, I feel like like that's sort of something that the film sort of gets at, which is like if you went to if you went to a different culture and you wanted to pretend that there were no differences yeah you will end up missing all these cultural cues and all these you won't actually have a conversation instead you'll wonder why aren't these people smiling at me for example why are they avoiding eye contact why yeah. are like when i pat them on the head you know as i would do my own child why is that seen as something insulting whereas because walt is an elephant or bull in a china shopper and you know he's willing to have those conversations and through that sort of come around
1: yeah it uh, it and, and it creates a a more in the movie uh, not necessarily in life but I think and there, there's there's enough in, um examples of it in life but in the movie true true being um this kind of cantankerous yeah yeah they they they, they 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 reach a new level of comfort that wouldn't have been possible if 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 you had come in there like um trey
2: so yeah and just i'm now imagining clint eastwood dressed as trey um but i do think and i think like even to pick a small example like a very What's small up, homies um, <laughs> bro um but i feel like um if uh, sorry my my clint, East, clint eastwood sounds like batman yeah. but I I, I,
1: I I think yeah it, ten, it tends to sound like batman for but, me as well but
2: i feel like um and this is something that came up recently in terms of like just something Irish where like and I feel like I've, these are because these are examples I'm comfortable talking about as an Irish person. Sir Ronan going over to the US as part of the award circuit for Ladybird.
1: A um, little dog, in our, yeah, in, 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 our in, yeah. a, in our bedroom. Yeah. Um is it the pilot's dog? I, I just dog? said our bedroom. Our be- <laughs> <So> <laughs> immediately listeners are like I'm oh. not thinking about the dog anymore <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
2: We got that in under the radar there But like there's this big conversation about Like when Sir Ronan goes <laughs> over a Special announcement we had to make. Make. Um, yeah. Clint Eastwood would be very happy for us But there's this argument of this conversation that happens every time in awards season where Saoirse Ronan goes over to the US right? and she spends God knows how long explaining how to pronounce her name to Americans and like there's this weird strain of like Irish begrudgery or anger at the fact that she has to spend so long explaining her name and I, I look at that and I think no that's a great thing that she's actually having a conversation saying look this is how we pronounce our name in Irish it means freedom this is what my culture is by the way yeah. also we like dogs for some reason but you have this sort of like willingness to have that conversation to say well hey we're a little culturally different than you we're this not homogenous Yeah.
1: idea that people should be able to pronounce Saoirse Yeah, as, in, as somebody in, on a
2: podcast it, who barely manages to pronounce Truffaut I, I really bristle at the idea that mispronouncing Saoirse is a hate crime or anything like that
1: yeah yeah it's just uh, Denny Velneuve is pronounced like like any other word with a H and an M <laughs> yeah. um, at the beginning um, um, um uh, yeah,
2: I, I feel really awkward saying mong, because it sounds vague. Mong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mong? But, Hmong. Uh,
2: <laughs> but I, I do feel like the movie kind of gets that across, and its bluntness and willingness to have those conversations works really well in its favour. I think in its own way, it also works to start awkward conversations that might otherwise not be easy to have. Like, I feel like there's something fascinating in the way the film suggests that like Walt... Doesn't feel connected to his own children. He feels very disconnected from the next generation of his kids.
1: Yeah, and v- very um, spitefully. I oh yes, yeah. gives them nothing. Yeah, in his well, like
2: this is the thing about Walt, like. Gran Torino is not a subtle film by any measure of the word. Like, it's yeah. its introductory shot of Walt is him at his wife's funeral, the camera pushing in on him, and he's got this look that on any other actor would look constipated. But yeah. on Clint Eastwood, you can tell it's just pure rage at the mere existence of the world. And you have this conversation between his two sons about how, like, how awful and unloving and, like, how spiteful he is. Like, he can't even measure up to be polite at his wife's funeral, that sort of hmm. stuff. And, like... I feel like the film conveys that very well. And there's this, like, the scene with his kids where his son is suggesting moving him to a home so they can have the family. Like, Eastwood is underrated as a director i think because he is quite an ambitious director like if you look at stuff like um play misty for me it has a really great montage sequence from a first-time director it's like he's the bridges of madison county i think is very stylistically experimental gran torino is a much more straightforward film and like he shot it i think in 30 days which is remarkable like he's very Whoa. yeah eastwood as a director tends to be like he will shoot and print he doesn't do second takes he doesn't like second takes mm. um but that
1: that sort of emphasis. Second takes to this movie, I don't think would have really made, because you've got you've got a very you've got a great actor in Clint Eastwood, and um, I also liked this barber, but for John Carroll Lynch, John Carroll Lynch, but there's, there's no one else in this movie. I don't think would would have necessarily benefited from from a second take. There aren't really. That's one kind of, but. I i don't think it's a problem Well, you' with, with, with me for for this movie but there there are no other good performances as, yeah. as far as 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 i'm concerned in 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 this movie They well, were I mean, like
2: it's worth mentioning like these were not in many ways these were not professional or established actors like and, and, and for I, all the... I,
1: that comes across but and and i think that kind of i i, I like um may, 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 maybe i'm being like an apologist for the movie, but I, f- I felt like, in at points, that kind of worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also worth noting, for all the film is accused of
2: being insensitive, and I mean, like, to be honest, uh, B-Vang, who played Tao, has talked in years since about how he felt, like, excluded and sort of locked out on the set and he feels like that was a race thing part of me sort of suspects that's a Clint Eastwood thing and that like Eastwood as a director doesn't manhandle his actors he doesn't like he's he's not known for being very sensitive to his actors demands
1: tell you, it's a movie you're not actually my friend yeah <laughs> sorry uh, B but
2: um, um, well I mean there is that discussion with that great story about was it uh, Malcolm McDowell when he did A Clockwork Orange with Stanley Kubrick and they would play table tennis and ping pong every day while they were shooting and when they finished shooting Malcolm McDowell was like so we're we playing ping pong tomorrow and and Kubrick was like no no we are not um <laughs> but i feel like there's like the thing is that for all the film gets accused of being insensitive, like, Eastwood went out of his way to recruit Hmong actors. He didn't cast, like, generic Asians. Like, there's a lot of discussion even about, like, whitewashing. But even just, like, casting, say, Chinese actors in Japanese roles and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Gran Torino, like, for all that it is, like, politically incorrect or awkward, the, the production team went out of their way to find, like, Hmong performers to play among characters which are wrong yeah. characters apologies um but who and i feel like that's something that really stands to the movie's credit and i feel like it does have a sort of an amateur-esque quality to it but i feel like and you're right i feel like it adds a lot to it i feel like it feels more genuine in some ways which yeah, is very it's a, when
1: when sue sue who's played by annie her yeah when when she is beaten and raped at the um towards climax the climax of the film yeah end of the movie it's very affecting yeah and of course that's always going to be very um, affecting in a movie but it like it well I suppose it could be done in a way that 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 is less or more effective yeah but it, like the the, the there, there was, there was a certain well, that's, that's kind a,
2: of. That's, I would argue, another example of the film not being particularly subtle in that, it, like, it needs a revenge narrative, so it goes for the most obvious and straightforward way of doing it. Like, that would be one of my criticisms in the movie is that I feel like, I feel like, the attack on on Sue is is very straightforward and very sort of like, very generic plotting. I think it's it's the the easiest way to get ABC. It's it's kind of it's a point where the movie's bluntness, I feel, gets a bit too much.
0: Why don't you
1: make a movie? <laughs> A fair point. Fair point. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Eastwood. Sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Eastwood. Um, uh, how 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 would you have handled that? I mean, would you?
2: Do you need the attack on Sue at all? You've had the gunning at the house, for example. Yes. Like okay,
1: fine. Yes, you do.
2: Do you do you need that to escalate? To, like after the machine gun at the after house, the
1: machine gunning at the house. Yeah, the drive-by where, shooting. Where they, um, maybe
2: kill the granny
1: or something, but maybe kill the granny what she's gonna die anyway <laughs> they, 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 all they've done is, is make a D, another DIY project <laughs> for, for Walt. Walt who loves DIY <laughs> um, I like this the counterproductive uh, activities of local
2: gangland they're
1: back in their house and they're like <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we played exactly into Walt's hands yeah Okay, fine, but I, I I still feel like there's a side of a bluntness. You could
1: have that... had you could have had a character die. Yeah, like you could have had Tao
2: say. Then no, you I'd... couldn't have Tao die because Tao needs to be redeemed at the end. And I mean, you could argue that yeah, killing off an anonymous relative of the family would also be similarly crass and ineffective. But I do feel like victimizing Sue was a bit like it was a bit like it's a button to press.
1: It's a very easy button to press, narratively it is. speaking, and 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 it and it, it works. No, it does it, it does. it yeah. and I'm, I mean, you might have a point in in, but I I, f- I feel, yeah, I'm, It it was very effective. Yes. Whether 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 you're taking a woman's rape and using it as 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 a device and and wash kind of problems does does are I mean, incurred in that. Yeah. But you 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 can go forward and back with that because you can say like. The amount of women who um, either s- suffer a rape or sexual violence is much higher than than w- is probably um, portrayed in in, in media. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think though the argument is not the portrayal of the act itself; it's more the the aftermath or whatever, and the fact that you like it's used as a vehicle in Walt's story and Tao's story more than it yes. is in hers. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so
1: it isn't the difficulty is like it. It's it's it. An, an act like that and uh, the victim of of such a crime is going to be one one very understandable reaction would 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 be that that they would feel completely devastated and unable unable to process or are are having having to 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 process it it doesn't make sense for 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 the victim, I suppose of of, well, I mean, of something so out of the blue as well, something so uh, like horrific for for yeah, for it. I I I I don't, feel I, like I, the, I don't know if it makes us, if it would make sense psychologically for, for 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 say it to be Sue who who does something about it because she's just. It wouldn't make sense in terms of Sue's character. But, I
2: mean, it it's more, I think... Not specific
1: this instance.
2: Not specifically this instance. It's more just, in general, in, in pop culture, like, dating back to, say, the 70s, like, The Last House and the Left and stuff like that, the use of sexual violence against women as a motivating factor for masculine sort of revenge. And I think that, like... Gran Torino maybe skirts around it because of how it handles the idea of the revenge, how Walt deals with it, and that he doesn't succumb to, like, Death Witch-style vigilantism no. at the end, which I think we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I do think that it skirts a line in some respects. Like, I feel like, and I feel like, It's also, and also just, it it seems like a very easy way to get what the movie wants, which is it wants Walt to have this big confrontation with the gang, and it feels like the attack on Sue is a very easy way to get that, if that makes sense. And I'm not, like, I'm not criticizing it necessarily from, like, a gender-sexual-politics point of view, I'm more criticizing it from a storytelling point of view, in the same way, like... Mm. And I feel like the movie's bluntness works very well in other cases. Like I feel like the way, the efficiency with which the film establishes Walt's character and the amount of hatred that he has for the world, right, borders on comedic, but it works because of Eastwood. Like for what is example, comedic? okay, it borders I, on self parody then perhaps. would yeah, be a better way to put they, it. But
1: the um, like he's like,
2: reading the horoscopes at one stage, yeah, and just ranting and raving angrily at the at the horoscopes. Yeah. There's a sense like it's not so much that Walt is racist although he is a little bit it's more that he's very angry and he like these are the avenues that he has for his anger and like racism is just or resentment is one of them but that anger could just as easily be directed at his spoiled kids or even the person writing the horoscopes in the newspaper
1: i feel like like he's so angry at the world i feel like waltz could like talk to a person and say your race isn't even the worst thing about you. <laughs> yeah, what's well, that great um, that great Dirty Harry conversation
2: where it's like, uh, you know, he hates all people equally, so he's not a racist. Mm. Yeah, that sort of thing.
1: Is it a problem that uh, I suppose it, it makes us ask questions of ourselves? Yeah, when he shoots out this this kind of um, the all 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 of these kind of uh, racist slurs, and and we're and we're kind of shocked. But we also sort of laugh like like there's something kind of incongruous about 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 this old man in this kind of in this setting of the of of the of this second decade of the of the 21st century. Well, first decade when it was made. But yeah,
2: yeah, it was made in 2008. So it would have been around the time Obama was elected, of all things. Uh, If you want to look at the film's racial politics. You like, right. I think it's a very like it's a very timely movie and I think it's predict- it's gotten more timely as it goes on because I think what you saw after Obama's election was I like, you saw maybe some simmering racial resentment start to build that got us where we are today perhaps. Yeah. And I feel like there's an element of so that. It's
1: Obama's fault, you're saying. That.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Not not the not the Just... fault of people reacting to Obama.
1: It's like when 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 um, Walt uh, beat up that um, that uh, uh, gang member. Gang member. Who... Which, by and...
2: the way, for like Eastwood was eighty at that stage. I mean, even acknowledging the cutting, that was a great great sequence.
1: Oh, it was fantastic. And I I thought there was going to be like the scene where he like immediately starts like coughing blood. blood yeah but no they the um and it is in great shape for someone who's 120 um, as
2: old as america itself yeah it's
1: america's greatest oak clint yeah. eastwood
2: but um there there is this sort of yeah interesting conversation to be had about like the politics of like resentment and stuff because i mean one of the things about like the character of Walt is Walt has seen the world move past him. Like he's, he lost his job at the Ford factory. He's seen his kids buying Japanese. He's seen like, uh, the neighborhood, which has become run down. Like the neighborhood is like, like, the shooting in Detroit is fantastic because it allows for these sort of really desolate and run-down sort of neighbourhoods. So you have, like, all the houses around I, Walt's I, house are, like, deteriorating, the paint is chipping, the drains are falling off and all this sort of stuff. And you have his perfectly maintained house and garden just sitting in the middle of
1: this, which I think yeah, captures... his Polish neighbor's lawn is looking <laughs> terrible now. And it, it, do something about that lawn. Yeah. and This, is, this isn't, like, a... Um, I, I mean, I mean, I'd probably have much worse lawn if <laughs> if, if, if I had a house. But uh, yeah, Walt has a point. And if Walt were to to say to me as 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 a neighbor, like your oh, lawn looks like, it. um, I, 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 would, I would probably bristle a little bit at it, but about it, but I would kind of you accept I, the point. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I'm sorry.
2: But, I mean, I think that one of the things that Gran Torino does really well is it communicates that point of view very effectively and that you can see where Walt is coming from in some respects. Like, you can see, you can understand why he feels displaced, even if you understand that his anger about that displacement is misplaced and and incorrect and, like, is, is wrong and a misunderstanding and all this sort of stuff. But you can understand why he feels the way he does, why he feels so left behind and ignored, why he feels so marginalized, why he feels like the world has moved past him and why he hates the world for that fact.
1: Yeah. It's misplaced anger, but the, the, the um he wants to be in a in in a world with the people who've who've left him. Yeah. So his wife has died. Um his family, uh, his, his his children. His, his children he never loved. His his uh, friends are still there, but at, at, in 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 his uh, and a, a lot of them have moved presumably on. died yeah or, died or, or moved on or, in some way or, shape or, or moved on especially in his neighborhood
2: yeah yeah then the, one of the opening or establishing scenes of the film is him watching a mong family move in next door and and wondering like where the... are
1: they moving in
2: i thought they were moving in at that stage because he, he noted that they sold didn't he know that the house recently sold i thought because they are relatively new arrivals Maybe. Okay, I, 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 th- that was my I thought, reading. I thing.
1: thought they were um, celebrating the birth of a child. Okay, maybe. Whose child is that, by the way? And why is it in, in, in their house, where which appears to be childless? Um, how many people live in that house? That is a question. Well, Walt <laughs> M- asked I the feel, same question. I, f- I feel like it's um, it's thou, um
2: Sue, 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 the grandmother,
1: obviously, their, grandmother, and their, their mother. father, their mother. Their
2: father is curiously absent and he's like when Sue talks about him. Is their
1: father not the one who's saying Tao will be the man of the house? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because
2: if it is, then why isn't he the man of the house? Or is he talking about like some future date when he's gone?
1: Well, yeah, he must be like an uncle or something then.
2: Because the father's not now present, the way Sue talks Maybe about their he's, father he's as well—he's
1: a Hmong version of a godfather. Where, like, <laughs> you got to me on this. Why? Thing. Why else is he looking out for Tao? Why yeah. does he care? Yeah. Like, oh, you should, you should, you should uh, get, get, um, get, get her uh, set up with with Tao. It's like, why? Why do you, <laughs> Is is is? Uh, why 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 not your son? Um, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, I think I think maybe they do say that he's he's not around or something.
2: Yeah, I mean it's also worth noting, and this is one of the great ironies of, and I think it's one of the great ironies of like the the xenophobia and sort of racism that you sometimes see emerging from like conservative political viewpoints, and it it comes up very much in Gran Torino, which is this argument that. As much as Walt resents the culture that's left him behind and as much as Walt feels uncomfortable in a world where, you know, his his children are buying Japanese and they have no respect for their parents and kids these days are just awful. Like, he he moves next door with the Hmong family with the Hmong sort of family and finds that they are, they're more traditional. They're more conservative. They're more respectful. He, they he, they he, respect the same cultural values that he does.
1: In a movie that's very straightforward and I don't know if he even says it. Yeah. God damn, it, I've got more in common with these yeah, these um, these
2: mong them with my own children. Yeah, like, and I feel like that's an interesting point that's made, and it's something that that never really comes Thanks up. Thanks when... for saving that, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> <And> for... <laughs>
1: We, we'll, um, yeah, we will we'll place the word "mong" in at any point where, where, where we, we were, we we're, we're, were watching this with Spanish subtitles, so we got like um, racial slurs in both languages. Yes,
2: Andrew was very proud of his ability to now insult people of various ethnicities in Spanish. Yes, um, it's
1: an important thing to do.
2: It is a very important skill to have. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: you, you won't seem like a genuine Spanish person if you don't. <laughs> if
2: you can't drop a few slurs in there. Well, I mean, well, that's the thing with Irish as well. When we learn Irish in school, we learn. Irish insults as well and that sort of stuff. When you learn French, first words you look up in the dictionary are the rude ones, that sort of stuff. I feel like, you know, mentally we are still 12. Yeah. But um, I, I think that's a point that's not very well discussed when talking about like conservatism and talking about xenophobia and stuff like that is the fact that like many of the cultural values that conservatism claims to uphold and that it holds dear about like society and like this anxiety about like the culture war and about like liberal values taking over. Hmm. A lot of those fears are like those fears reflect like more conservative movements in the societies and cultures that are coming into the country. Yeah. And that you will see like cultures Absolutely. like
1: Absolutely. Like the the in Which in, is the weird paradox. In Minow. in Ireland, the it's it always se- it, it often seems like the the big Catholic community is not indigenous Irish people. It's 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 it's, it's people from, from Poland, from Eastern Europe, from Africa. Yeah. And and and, and from South America. Yeah like um the huge kind of influx of, of 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 brazilians that these people are the um if there was a conservative movement in ireland and there is or, but it's just
2: and, not as strong or yeah, as, yeah.
1: as vocal but, well there certainly is a conservative movement in the catholic in yeah. the church um that these are their people yeah. if 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 in ireland there, the that movement was accompanied by a, a kind of a xenophobia I guess it's, it's people could make a kind of an argument that with kind of like some of the Euroscepticism was um aligned with with um anti immigrant sentiment yeah and 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 that and that a lot of that was also um coming from the kind of think tanks that were closely aligned with the the Catholic, Catholic Church right. and that sort of thing
2: yeah yeah. See, we talk about Irish politics on this podcast too.
1: Exactly. Very like they, very they, broadly. Um, yeah, and just kind of um, we're the worst. We are the worst. I'm the worst. Darren, uh, Darren, 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 Darren's great. Some love for Darren. Do you want to talk? Plaid a- stripe. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Do
2: do we want to talk a little bit about the violence, or the use of violence or the discussion of violence in the film, particularly its relation to masculinity? So, for example, like Clint Eastwood as this stereotypical, like American macho figure, the cowboy. Mm. um, And despite the fact that, like, if you look at Eastwood's, like, westerns, the outlaw Josie Wales, for example, High Plains Drifter, Unforgiven, they're all interesting westerns in that they're westerns that seem ambivalent towards violence. They almost seem, like, mournful and regretful about violence, as opposed to, like, celebratory of it, as you might expect for, like, a guy whose famous catchphrase is do you feel lucky punk Mm. and I feel like one of the things about Gran Torino which I really like is that it sets up this idea that at some stage in the film Walt is going to go like full you know full like Charles Bronson in Death Wish he's going to yeah. go he's going to go on one last mission like even like after Sue is assaulted after the house is shot up you see Walt and it's very clear that Walt is like getting ready for his last day on earth so he, he gets his hair cut at the barber and he goes for sort kind of a straight shave which has by the way has a smoke in the bath has a smoke in the bath which is great and I, I love that like this is your most macho American icon here in a bubble bath with a yeah. cigarette but it's also even gets a fitted suit and it's very clear that Walt is like getting ready to do something that he doesn't think he's going to come back from But even then, you think, and I know you've seen the ending before, Mm. but the first time I watched it, I was very much expecting him to go on, like, a rip-roaring rampage, revenge, where he would collapse at the end and die from his, you know, from the, the disease that's affecting him, which is ambiguous, but seems to be maybe lung cancer based on his smoking, um... But I kind of expected this level of violence. I think and this the sort of movie
1: life. suggests that it's a that he has a porg in his chest. A porg. A porg. From the from the last Jedi. From the last Jedi. Okay, I, it, it's 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 hinted subtly,
2: <laughs> but it's there. But it's there. Um, if you read, if you're willing to read between the lines, but I, I love that the movie sets up that expectation. And then, sort I mean,
1: of, actually, if you freeze the movie when 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 go, he's going, well, no, when they're going over the 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 um, the the pages from from the oh yeah from the doctor, yeah, the, the notes. The if results. you freeze
2: frame and enhance it on the Blu-ray, you can see that it says possible pork yeah, but um that's, that's mark. the <laughs> <yeah. laughs> more tests needed. actually, it's it's worth noting. One of the things like, and again, for all the films, like arguments about the film's stereotypical portrayal of the Hmong, one of the things I liked about it is that it it portrayed immigrant communities as integrated into American society. So for example, you have Dr. Chu who is the replacement for Walt's doctor who he hasn't seen in three years. She is of Asian extraction, for example, so she is, and he's clearly uncomfortable with this, but there's a sense that, like, and the same thing with Officer Chang towards the end. There's a sense that, like, in America these days, a lot of the jobs and a lot of the work that's necessary to be done is being done by these immigrant communities that, like, people like Walt are resentful of. Yeah. Like, that it's, and it's something that happens here as well, and, like, one of the things, side effects, of like, the Brexit vote in the UK was the realisation that the country would have difficulty attracting immigrants to fill those jobs um but i feel like it's an interesting and nuanced point the film makes like and it makes it relatively subtle to me through like making these authority figures figures who are from these communities as well i think it's a very clever point the film does i think it does it very well but one of the things about the violence at the end of the film is that like it marks a it's very firmly a rejection of this idea of vigilante violence i think yeah and that like and, and Tau comes over, and Tao, who's been learning how to be a it's man... It's martyrdom. Yeah. It's martyrdom, and it's it's sacrifice, and it's giving up his life in service of something greater than himself. Like, there's this really great recurring visual motif that that comes throughout the film. And again, like, we talk about Eastwood not being, like, a very straightforward one-take director, but there's this really great motif that happens throughout the film of blood on Walt's hand. Yeah. Like, so when he's coughing up blood on it, for example, or when his knuckles are cracked when he's attacking the, the glass in his room, or even at the end... Like the first shot of him it bleeding. Made, it
1: made me worry about the amount that I cough up blood. You, he, do you cough up blood? I, I, uh, no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I I forgot that uh, D- D- Darren is a lovely person and <laughs> will automatically be concerned. Uh, no, I okay. don't. I don't cough up okay. blood. Okay. But if you're watching this movie and you think that's normal, it's not. <laughs> it's not. not. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
2: But there is this recurring visual motif. Blood is inside. Yeah, (laughs) blood is an inside substance. Like smoking is an outside activity. Um, But there is, like, there's this great shot when he gets shot of the lighter in his hand and the blood sort of trickling down his palm, which is is very effective as well. Because there's a sense that Walt has blood on his hands. And he has sort of, like... And it's fascinating because on one hand, he's very much... He's aware of the violence that he did in Korea, and he's, he's, in some sense, is haunted by it. Like, he talks to the priest about how, like, the things that haunt you uh, when it comes to, like, going to war are not the things that you're ordered to do. It's the things that you do that you weren't ordered to do.
1: Yeah, like and, creative use of... um of, Racial of, slurs. No, no, cre, cre, creative... Creative use creative, of dead bodies as, yeah, yeah, as sandbags. As a, um, stack you five foot tall
2: as sandbags. What
1: what what was the line? We 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 stack five,
2: five Yeah, we sta- We can't repeat the line because of obviously it contains a racial slur. But we would stack you five we five foot tall as, and use you as sandbags.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was he wasn't ordered to do that.
2: <laughs> that was just one of his own pet projects. So like, uh, damn it, Kowalski, that's some good work. Yeah, it's like innovative use. Uh, maybe we won't run that up the command chain, but uh, keep it up. But I I feel like. In the film, like he's not, and this is interesting because It found it worked better than sandbags. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the density uh, was yeah. just right to stop bullets. But one of the things that's interesting about this, for all that he's aware of the violence that he committed in Korea, and for all that he seems to be like, he seems to grapple with it when he goes to confession with the priest at
1: the end. Yes, he, yeah, very, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up.
2: And like, even the priest is sort of surprised because you get the sense the audience is expecting him to talk about some horrific thing that he did in Korea. And a it's sense gonna be even, like
1: Michael Corleone's um, uh, confession. From is it Godfather Part Three?
2: Okay, right. Um, I refresh my memory. It's been a while since I've seen three.
1: I, he 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 gives a whole confession, where it's where it's like I killed my brother. Oh okay, I, um, yeah. Did the oh sorry, yeah, so yeah, and, Basically, that. And, and, and like he goes through the entire kind of <laughs> like trilogy and all of the things that he's done. Um, I've killed. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Whereas on the other hand, it's just three things, you yeah. know. I, I kissed a woman who wasn't my wife. I didn't pay tax on the motorboat that I stole, and that's practically stealing. And that's I never loved. And I never loved my kids. And I love that the, the priest is like, that's all. And you're like, okay, well, look, in the context of a confession, those are three pretty big deals. You know, I cheated on my wife. I never loved my kids. Those are sort of those are big deals. But you you get the sense that like the priest, the audience was expecting him to go. Oh, by the way, when I was in Korea, I did the following. And he doesn't. He doesn't ask forgiveness for it, which because, is interesting.
1: Because the his sacrament of reconciliation for that is is done in the the laying down his life. In laying down his life. The um what what he does in the confessional booth is a kind of perfunctory fulfillment of his duty to his wife yes yeah so did so that when he meets her in heaven she
2: <laughs> you did do that one thing i asked you to do right yeah and yeah. you can go yeah yeah by sort day. of <laughs> 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 mostly, yeah mostly yeah. um but I, and i feel like that's one of the things about
1: it, is that and it's I, a. I liked as well the sorry no, go ahead. Go, ahead, no, no the, go ahead um i liked the arc of the priest who, Actually, who, who again wasn't a great actor but but had a great arc and um and christopher I, 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 Carly yeah and, and it, 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 i was almost saying it was about that it wasn't a good performance there but it really got across the kind of um but but very unlikable and then and then gaining slowly this uh the respect uh, grudging of Walt, yeah. acceptance and respect yeah which which would and it's very which earnest which works very well in the movie and it's yeah. it's a very earnest performance as well actually which i think works very well like it's not absolutely and 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 he 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 he's still that person he was at the beginning of the movie at the end of the movie but he has uh, made himself understood and respected by 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 Walt big be, 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 because he's 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 still this 27-year-old yeah. virgin uh, over-educated. over-educated who um...
2: holds old ladies' hands and promises them everything.
1: Yeah. But there is, there's,
2: and I think that this is the thing as well, like you talked about in terms of like Kowalski's relationship with the uh, with the Hmong community. It's the same thing happens with the priest as well. He, he lear- You learn through confrontation. Like, he very clearly doesn't respect the priest when the priest is coming over there saying, look, I promised your wife I'd check in on you, so I'm checking in on you. And Walt is just like, (laughs) but you also, um, like, later on, it's when he... confess that I have no wish (laughs) to confess. But you you also have, like, he earns the respect through coming at him and yelling at him and being really angry at him, being direct and frank and honest with him. And I think that's a really great arc for both of them. I think that works very, very well in terms of both characters.
1: It does. It does, and, and there, there's uh, that 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 there's it, that there's a brusque, cantankerous side to Hank that goes with a reasonableness. Like there, 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 you can, you can, his, his sons f- feel like there is no talking to, to to him to him, but we kind of find out in the movie that. If, if you have a busy life and don't and live far away from your father then yes you're not going to be um, ev- ev- effective in communicating with him but if if, if if you're if you're actually putting in the effort then then you'll make that sort yeah. of yeah. And I mean, there is there is something to be said for the way that, or, may, or maybe he'll hate you forever for being a pussy. <laughs> but I, I think there is
2: something to be said for the way that the priests kind of arc in the movie, the priests role in the movie, um, in some ways maybe reflects the audience in terms of because and it happens repeatedly throughout the film where. The priest becomes this kind of weird surrogate for, like, a liberal audience watching Gran Torino, where they're just, they're constantly, like, they're intensely fascinated by Walt, but they're also, in some level, slightly terrified by him. Like, there's the really great moment at the end of the film, after Walt gets his, like, fitted suit, where he goes, where he walks up, and he walks up to the priest, like, I'm gonna deal with this, and the priest's like, Jesus Christ, what have you done, Walt? And yeah. This sort of like rising sense of dread uh, around yeah. him as well, which is very well conveyed, I think, through the earnestness of of Carly's performance. Mm. And it works really, really well. And I mean, I like that the film, like the the even the closing conversation between Tao and and Walt, where Tao has the same expectations that the the priest has, and that I think the audience has, which is that Walt is going to go on a rip roaring rampage of revenge. Yeah, uh, and he goes over. He's like, "Okay, is this the gun I get to use? You know, I'm ready to kill. I'm ready to be violent and angry." And the sense that like. for for Tao this seems to be the culmination of like the lessons in masculinity that he's been receiving from Walt when it's not and Walt has this really nice sort of conversation where it's like you know I don't deserve a medal for killing a bunch of people who are only you know cowering in foxholes trying to fight to stay alive like I don't deserve recognition or valor for that I did what I was supposed to do but I don't deserve praise and I don't deserve to be thought of as a hero for doing that and it's a really great moment because it builds on this idea of, like, Clint Eastwood as a as an actor who's associated with, like, this idea of, of masculinity and this sort of, like, violence performance, you know, sort of violence and performance. And sort of a rejection of that in what was the last moments of what would have been his last screen performance, where he he doesn't go out and kill. He doesn't. He goes out and he sacrifices his own life yeah in order to inspire a community, which is, is just, it's a really, really touching kind of conclusion to his arc. And, like retroactively, then, this makes all of his education to Tao. Like, Tao's... When he teaches Tao to be a man, he teaches him how to be responsible. He teaches him how to be, like how to interact with other people, okay, maybe with a bit less racism, but he does make the point that that Tao can't be as racist as he is. Yeah, And he repeatedly makes it. He teaches him to be polite. He teaches him to be respectful. He teaches him to engage. He teaches him to, like, build tools, not to build tools, but to to have tools and to use tools and to use his hands and to work hard for an honest day's pay. And, And, like, you talked about masculinity earlier in the program. Like, that's, that's, I think, like, the ideal of masculinity that he aspires to, like, Mm. which is, you work hard and you, you put the effort in. And you're honest and you're frank and you're trustworthy. And I feel like, you know, that's what the film makes. And the film very clearly draws a line between that form of masculinity mm. and violence. And it says violence yes. is not an essential part of being a man.
1: And the, the the ambivalence towards violence works well because Clint Eastwood is haunted by killing those 13 people on a set of rawhide. Um, we don't that, talk about that actually. That's yeah. what he draws on. Um, yeah, that,
2: that's how, that's where his performance is rooted. He was given an Oscar. Um, <laughs> it's like I don't deserve an Oscar for killing three stuntmen who were just being there. Um, Sorry. No, no, he did the, not. <laughs> just so we're clear on this, um, but I do, I do feel no, like that's that, an that, interesting that, distinction to be made.
1: But no, that, that's 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 a very strong point. You make. yeah, it, it's 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 it it is it is this this. Very nuanced kind of view of 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 masculinity, and I think it's 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 done well. Yeah, yeah, it's done very very well. I mean, like Eastwood's, um,
2: and and like Eastwood is maybe not an actor with the greatest degree of range, to be entirely honest. Like, um, I feel like, but I feel like he works very well here and he's he's an actor who is always like what's that line it's from one of his own films where the man a man's got to know his limitations i feel like eastwood is as an actor and as a director understands what he can do and how he can do it and like the mick jagger of 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 acting yeah In that he he knows that the classics and he knows how he can play within those yeah um and i feel like yeah i feel like gran torino would in many ways be a fitting swan song for him. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing that he came back and did The Trouble with the Curve afterwards, because it feels like this would be a great film to point to and say this is the last on-screen Clint Eastwood performance.
1: He also um, had that scene with a chair.
2: At the Republican National Congress. Yeah. Um, which is great, by the way. I like that he owns that. He, he regards that speech as the biggest embarrassment of his career, even bigger than Paint Your Wagon. Like, he was asked if there was one thing in his entire life he could take back, it would be that chair. Um, and again, like, it, it's it's really, really weird. He was a surprise speaker at the Republican convention, despite, like, having various social views, which would be the opposite of, like, what the Republicans would be. But he basically had this big rant about Obama. And I feel like that's kind of, um, that in some ways typifies Eastwood politics, because Eastwood politics are difficult to, uh, difficult to parse in some respects, in that, See, good. yeah which is good no it's great yeah. like and, and it is because you think with a binary two-party system where you have Republicans and you have Democrats or even over here or even in the UK where you've like liberals and sorry labor and and the Tories where you have like a traditional left-wing party a traditional right-wing party like people's politics don't work like that like nobody I th- very few people are entirely right-wing or entirely left-wing some people mm. are but most people have like a diverse range of opinions across the political spectrum yeah and I feel like Eastwood for example is is socially liberal in that he's aware of stuff like race, he's aware of well, stuff like, like gender issues, and he's aware of stuff like you know, like he, he's pro-gay marriage but on the other hand he's conservative in terms of like fiscal policy, in terms of like government interference, he doesn't like regulation he doesn't like being told what to do, Yeah, and I feel like it's,
1: it's like he, he, I mean why it's libertarian it, is probably the best there's, way to describe there's, it there's, there's, there's many ways in which he should have voted for Trump then, yeah I mean the the, the um, trump was to reverse legislation back to kind of 60s um
2: yeah to the 60s watermark to small demolish the like epa and stuff like that and so like cut regulations on companies cut taxation on companies and stuff like that
1: i would be able to smoke in crashes again
2: (laughs) (laughs) smoke in my own bathtub damn it
1: yeah but there is this kind of like
2: sense of of nuance around him like and i feel like i say we yeah (laughs) i'm an american (laughs) sorry but I, I, I like I like that about Eastwood like I wouldn't agree with all his politics entirely but I like that they're nuanced and they're, they're more than just like generic like rep- conservative or generic sort of liberal there they reflect in some ways the way that people are complicated yeah. politically speaking and like not everybody has a clear like a clear line where you can draw on one side or the other and there are obviously points on which I would disagree with Eastwood dramatically there are points on which I would agree with Eastwood like strongly and I feel like That's what makes him, in some ways, an interesting filmmaker. And what makes him... Like, Eastwood is an American author. He's an American institution. But he's a director who has a unique
1: what in the hell is that Word. French? <laughs> We're French We're doing a new <laughs> yeah. discussion of my filmography yeah
2: um, but he does he has a and I suspect that's probably why he's been accepted by the French more than he was by the American establishment into the 90s like the French loved him during the 80s and stuff like that is that he has a unique vantage point and he has a unique perspective and he does his own films like he makes the films that he wants to make which is remarkable. And like Warner Brothers support him. Warner Brothers did the same thing with Stanley Kubrick, for example. They do the same thing with Christopher Nolan now, where they let a director loose. And they say, make the films that you want to make. Any and... Which Way But Loose. I, oh, yeah. we're, we're... And and <laughs> is Any Which Way But Loose the Clyde the orangutan one, if I'm Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Those orangutan movies. Um, which also are things that he would not remove from his filmography, interestingly enough.
1: Well, like, it's you get to see another side of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. I mean yeah we you talk about and there's this... boobies in those movies as well as i recall those are great <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's a big they fan had an of orangutan and boobs and boobs a- yeah. andrew is
2: all in on this yeah so is there anything else with regards to um gran torino that you want to talk about anything else that we haven't covered already
1: Oh yeah, with the the song at the end.
2: Oh yeah, we can't not we, talk about the song at the end. We don't
1: know what to make it up, but uh, I I guess on reflection, I'm okay with it.
2: Well, Eastwood is a is a musician as well. Like he writes his own music as well. He didn't write this song. Yeah. Um. But he his son. His son. I don't know if his son wrote the song, but his son worked on the music on the film. Okay. Um. The song was written and performed by Jamie Cullum, I believe. Um, okay. Which is good. Um. And Clint Eastwood. Let's be entirely frank here. The opening verse of the song is is sort of. I don't know if sung is the right word, but it's performed yeah. by Clint Eastwood. In fact, like Eastwood has talked about how um I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, after Paint Your Wagon he vowed never to sing again. Yeah. And he upheld that promise with the closing uh musical accompaniment to Gran Torino. But it's it's nice because uh, it,
1: I, mean, I actually and, kind and, and, and how how do you define singing? I mean, it's just yeah. saying, Hey I just met you and this is crazy. <laughs> But here's my number.
2: Um, is so that call singing? me? Maybe
1: is 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 that singing? I don't know, Andrew. Would you describe that as singing? I don't know. I don't want to listeners, impose my limitations. Get at us on Twitter. Join our Twitter poll and that. let us
2: know if Andrew is singing. But I, I like it's it's a weird moment, and the two of us didn't know how to react to it when we were watching the film. We both sort of looked at each other and kind of giggled a little bit. It was it was weird. It was, and I feel like it's earnest it's incredibly earnest and like it's it's almost very brave
1: for For an
2: 80 year old director who is known for being and again you want to talk about subversion of masculine archetypes like, this is Clint Eastwood singing on the soundtrack to his last film. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not even, like, for many audience members watching films, like, and again, I feel like the trouble with the curve ruined this arc. But, like, for many viewers watching Clint Eastwood films, the last time that they will see or hear Clint Eastwood on film will be him singing the opening verse of Gran Torino. Yeah. Which is... A, and,
1: and then, like, our, our kind of reaction undercut some of the beauty. Yeah, you know of I mean? that, like, yeah, guess, to be fair. Yeah. And I,
2: I think it is... A, you're right, it's a very bold and a very brave decision. I think maybe it plays into Clint Eastwood's sort of exploration of masculinity. And then yeah. maybe maybe being comfortable singing a Jamie Cullum song over your end credits is the epitome of comfortable masculinity. Like, maybe yeah. that's what being a man is, is being comfortable with that.
1: Absolutely. I think in school I wasn't the only person who who, who was who's was in the rugby team and also in the choir I the the, the 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 choir was associated with well it, it was something that people would 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 do if they if they were kind of there were some people who were musical or creative there were some people who were kind of uh, bookish or um, and then there were some people there who were kind of just like interested in getting off classes yeah. I suppose the people who who i don't know um you weren't expected to like both
2: yeah and i mean I, I i suspect i will i will surprise no one by revealing i was in the choir but not on the rugby team um as well i i had a beautiful yeah, voice yeah i mean everyone an knows angel. your beautiful voice yeah um, no once once puberty hit i was out it was it was the most gutting experience of my life being cut from the choir when puberty hit yeah
1: yeah i, I never but quite we had recovered. a terrible choir in, I, in, I know and i got cut from in my... in, in in saint mary's well yeah. in, in my it was in my primary school actually
2: so oh in your it was primary in, school yeah sixth class oh um i got cut it was very tough it was a tough time for me perhaps the most embarrassing professional setback that i've experienced in my life
1: that, uh, i'm been... sorry darren
2: i know i ne- never quite got over it maybe one day i'll make a film about a
1: car probably and... could have played rugby <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, 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 fearsome physically so this is something that people don't know that's not accurately conveyed by my voice on the podcast
2: <laughs> um all right then with that in mind then I guess the only thing left to do is to pick the movie that we're going to watch next week now grace last week introduced the bottom 100 into the list I think oh so, so it stays so it's staying all right so what we're gonna and we're blaming her <laughs> just in case uh yes we are blaming her um but just in case you're listening so we're gonna wheel out the random number generator and ask it to pick a number between minus 100 and 250.
1: So, Andrew, will you do me a favor and crank that baby up there? There we go. Put some of the balls in. It's 350 balls this time. Yeah. So, the
2: loading is taking a little longer than it normally would.
1: Random number generator. Twist, twist, twist. Show us a movie on these lists. Oh,
2: Okay. So let's take a look and say we landed on number 100.
1: 100 And six You can say it at the same time. <laughs> OK, sorry. I didn't want to step all over you. I all was right. stepping all over you. I was <laughs> I was thinking we would say it at the same time. OK,
2: let's try again. There, So we landed on number one hundred and sixty seven, which is Finding Nemo.
1: Finding Nemo. Which is awesome. Yeah. Sorry, um, I, sh- I should
2: seem uh, talking about comfortable masculinity there, <laughs> 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 and I can still hit those high notes. It seems. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look then. Let's wheel out the trailer and take a look and see uh, what we're what we'll be setting ourselves in for next week.
1: Is this our third Pixar movie? Stop! I got something to tell ya! Mine. Don't make
0: any sudden moves. Up inside my mouth if you want to live. Somewhere Somewhere Beyond the Sea Somewhere waiting.
1: Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, wait to cross.
2: Seventy-one percent of the earth's surface is covered by water. Let's go, That's a big place to find one thing.
1: Has anybody seen my son? You, Sanchito? No, it's Nemo. We're looking for Nemo. <laughs> Names crush. I gotta find my son, Nemo. Grab Shell, dude. Grab what?
0: To find Nemo,
1: let's ask for directions. No! What is it with men and asking for directions?
2: We'll take a miracle.
1: Yeah, I saw him, but I'm not telling you where he went. Ah! All right, no talk, no talk!
0: Getting him back is a whole other story.
1: <laughs> Walt Disney Pictures presents a Pixar Animation Studios film. We're gonna help him escape. Nemo, don't give
0: up! Your dad's
1: been fighting the entire ocean looking for you. I'm coming, Nemo! Oh! I never knew my father! Come on, good hug. Oh, my stomach. No hurling on the shell, dude. Okay, I just waxed it. You've got to see it. <laughs> to believe it.
2: Nice. Finding Nemo. Everybody, hold on! All right. Hey. So, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about Finding Nemo, which I think we've both seen. Yes, yes, we have.
1: I also saw Finding Dory, which I did not care for.
2: I quite liked Finding Dory, but we'll probably talk about that next week, I think, a little bit. Um, in the meantime... It's fine, but it was
1: pointless. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> let's talk about it now. No, then. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. We'll leave on that cliffhanger. <laughs> of an ending. In the meantime, uh,
2: you can follow me at Darren Mooney, You can follow Andrew at...
1: A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A... Perfect. You
2: can also follow the Two Hundred and Fifty at the Two Hundred and Fifty. We're on Stitcher and iTunes. We're now on SoundCloud actually, which is pretty handy as well. Yes. Um, so you can find us at the Two Hundred and Fifty on SoundCloud, where you can get all of our our records and our past podcasts and stuff. And we've even done some organizing, so you can listen to albums. So yeah. you listen to us talk about the best director nominees from last year's Oscars, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can basically set a playlist and listen to seven or eight hours of us at a time if you feel the urge. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, let let um um let us know as well um about merch that you would like for 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 Christmas 2018. Yeah,
2: just to get ready. We think there's a huge on tap market there. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, then, guys. We'll see you next week when we're we'll talking about Finding Nemo. Bye.
1: Bye. So
2: tenderly, your story.
0: Is nothing more than what you see. Or what you've done or will become standing strong do you belong in your skin just wondering gentle mouths the tender breeze bones whisper through my grand Torino whistling other tired songs your arms and bitter dreams grow Locked in the Grand Torino It beats a lonely rhythm All night long It beats a lonely rhythm All night long It beats a lonely rhythm